0: This is The Kilton in the Cloth by Rev. Joshua Bell. Join me as we go into a discussion about liturgical worship for the Christian Church in the 21st century. To introduce this next part, I've always been interested and fascinated by the idea of what would it look like if somebody came into our sanctuary 500 years in the future and then analyzed it as if they were looking at it as an archaeologist. I hope you enjoy. God bless. I walked into the ancient, red-brick, behemoth structure, which obviously was a place of major importance and significance. The first thing I noticed was the artistry of the now-worn and faded seats, which might have been pews, and they looked well-used. The carpet on the floor is a dark, red shag that had been moderately maintained for decades, The rugged carpet had that well-used line of traffic look, right down the middle and all the way to the front of the sacred space. Out of the corner of my eye, I could see these long cylinders from the structure that had been built that kind of went into the ceiling, maybe looking like a pipe organ that at one time had been used with glorious abandon, but was now covered with layers of dust. The organ itself sat in the front of the church I assumed was a church, of course locked, ready and waiting to be used once again to chime the hour and accompany the many voices in the hymns of our faith. On the other side of the, what I assumed was a sanctuary sat a beautifully maintained grand piano. With its top securely closed, reminding me that there wasn't anyone who knew how to play. There were three shag carpet covered steps going up to the platform in front of the steps. A regular, op- a rectangular object that held what looked like two candles that had never been lit. The candles themselves awaited the moment that they could bring something mysterious into this holy place. There were three square-shaped chairs directly behind this table where someone of obvious importance would sit to do something of sacredness in this gathering place. The platform also had Three chairs however these chairs were more ornate and looked rather out of place their gothic-esque shape and form seemed designed for extremely tall people maybe even giants now these chairs sat on the right side of the chancel facing the pews which at first glance looked as if they might be able to seat thousands of individuals in this strange and enigmatic space. In front of the ornately crafted chairs stood a podium with what seemed to be a light on top so that the reader could see clearly what might have been read. And directly to the left of the podium was a group of long rectangular chairs One might call them pews that face the front of what I assumed was an organ. These pews were in a stair-step configuration suggesting that they were arranged to have multiple people sitting in these benches to see over the person in front of them. And when I looked out from the platform, I could see these rectangular wooden shaped pews in front of me arranged in a semicircle that and it looked as if they were facing me above them there was this structure that we might call a balcony that could have seated even more people because this holy and mysterious dwelling might not have enough seating on the floor level and hanging from the balcony were these tattered, almost faded, rectangular works of art covered with different symbols and different colors all around this structure. The most amazing part in this vast room was the artistic crosses in specific and prominent places these crosses in groups of three might have meant something. There were three on the table-like structure in front of the platform. There were three on the wall behind the platform. There was a 14-foot tall cross that was conspicuously displayed in the front of the sanctuary that had what looked like purple fabric that had Slowly faded and started to deteriorate, that was draped out, st- stretched over the arms of the cross. This fabric must have a different and deeper meaning. It had an elegance of celebration and mourning amid the strange and mysterious place. This had to have been a residence of something special a place where groups of people came to be together and do something just short of miraculous. This seemed to be a place of something holy. One might guess even a sacred place, maybe even a place to worship. When I started working in youth ministry, a long time ago, I specifically worked with church camps. When I worked at church camps, I experienced something. I-, I believed that it was as close to the divine as one might experience while still being able to hold breath. I experienced, in my opinion, worship in its truest form. It was free-flowing. It was flexible. It was challenging and empowering, and all the while, it was around a campfire. You see, there was no liturgy per se or book of worship telling us how to adequately bring about the holy mystery of worshiping God. That can and should be what worship can be. At its heart, youth-led worship is one that is meaningful and life-changing, life-altering, and completely different experience than one might find at a local congregation on a Sunday morning. I started to notice a discrepancy with con- within congregations and clergy as I continued in ministry. There were words that people used to describe their worship services and were very adamant that there was a very clear and at the same time very unclear definition of the words sacred and contemporary. Now being a classically trained musician, for me anytime that's said uh, the word sacred is something that we can experience the divine in a worshipful moment. Contemporary meant that it was something that was recent. It was a creation that just happened and was being shared due to either its popularity or its relevance to the culture of the current day.